Gonzaga has cracked the top six for 2024 top 40 prospect Trent Perry shortly after making an offer. Could he be Spokane bound in 2024? And what might this mean for Mark Few's club? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Folks, Gonzaga's non-conference schedule is finally, finally here. No major surprises, but we're going to go through the schedule. We're going to talk about some of the updates we have seen. We're also going to discuss Malachi Smith to close out the show, getting a contract with the Portland Trailblazers, what that means for him. But first, we lead with an update that just missed Tuesday's episode of Locked on Zags. We were talking recruiting. We talked about 2025 prospect Nick Kamenia, who is going to be on campus with the Zags for craziness in the kennel. We also talked a little bit about Trent Perry on that podcast, a uh, a player in the class of 2024 that Gonzaga is known to be pursuing shortly after that podcast was recorded and scheduled. We found out that Trent Perry has revealed his top six and Gonzaga is among that list. We're going to talk about that more in depth here. Trent Perry has listed Gonzaga alongside Colorado, TCU, Stanford, USC, and Oregon. Round out the top six for the six foot four combo guard from Studio City, California. He attends Harvard Westlake High School, which is significant because Harvard Westlake High School is also where Nick Kamenia goes. Kamenia is, again, the prospect Gonzaga is inviting out to campus for an official visit. A lot more about him on Tuesday's episode of Locked on Zags. Kamenia is uh, a 2025 prospect. Perry is a 2024 prospect, so they are a year apart in age. Gonzaga has likely spent a lot of time scouting Kamenia, likely scouting Perry as well. Now they have made the official offer. The offer came on September 22nd, and it didn't take long for Perry to reveal his top six and include Gonzaga on that list. Perry is a top 40, top 50 prospect on most different sites. 24-7 sports, which is typically my go-to, they have him a lot lower than other places on this list. They currently have him 83rd in the class of 2024. On three has him 36th. ESPN has him 42nd. And Rivals has him 59th. It's not shocking to see the different media outlets have uh, some discrepancies, some variety on a specific player, especially somebody who's a little bit farther out. Uh, But I think with Perry, we are looking at a guy who is generally viewed as a top 50, 60 prospect, a few places, even a little bit higher on him. One thing we know about Gonzaga is that they tend to be very good at identifying talent before that talent kind of gets picked up by a lot of those media outlets. So we've seen this in the past with, you know, Dominic Harris, with Julian Strother, with uh, even with Dusty Stromer as well, guys who who rose up the ranks after being pursued by Gonzaga, after being offered by Gonzaga, sometimes even after already having committed to Gonzaga. So I think you look at these sites, you see some places that are already higher on Perry. My guess is that by the time all is said and done, regardless of whether Perry comes to Gonzaga or not, uh, by the time the rankings are updated a year from now or six months from now, Perry's probably going to be rising. That tends to be the case for guys that that get pursued by Gonzaga. 
I want to read a quote from Perry. He, it was an article uh, at Max Sports kind of talking about uh, his his top six, and he had quotes about each of the schools that he's listed in his top six. Here was his quote about Gonzaga. He says, Coach Mark Few is considered one of the best coaches right now, and he is the winningest coach. They have a track record of guard development and pros in the league. So a couple other updates on Perry. Uh, there's no indication as of right now if he is planning to take a visit to Spokane. Again, his teammate, Nick Kamenia, is coming to campus. He took an unofficial visit last year, is taking an official visit this year, both times for craziness in the kennel. Now, Perry has visited every other school on this list. Five of the six schools on this list have had Perry on campus, Gonzaga being the outlier. That, on paper, seems bad. But it's worth remembering that Gonzaga only offered Perry two weeks ago. So I think... Another way to look at this is that the schools that Perry has visited, has been on campus, has had a lot more interaction with, are all schools he is considering. And the one school that he hasn't interacted with as much is also still on his list. I think that's actually a good thing. It also doesn't take, it's pretty easy to look at this list and see that Gonzaga is historically and recently the most successful basketball program on this list. Colorado has not been great in recent years. I think they're on the up and up right now. TCU was, of course, an NCAA tournament team last year. They play in the Big 12. That's a nice benefit. Uh, Colorado will, of course, be in the Big 12 by the time this happens as well. Um, USC and Oregon, a pair of Big 10 teams, which still feels weird to say. Not quite as weird as acknowledging that if he goes to Stanford, he would be playing in the ACC, which is very strange as well. But regardless... Gonzaga is the program of note on this list. No disrespect to any of those programs. Again, USC is a top 25 team this year. Colorado, I think, will be at times a top 25 team this year. I wouldn't be surprised if TCU is either. Oregon could too. Stanford, probably not as likely. But if you got an opportunity to go to Stanford, it's it's something you're definitely going to consider, as you probably should. So a, a quality group of teams that are interested in Perry. But I feel like Situation reminds me a little bit of the Ben Gregg situation, and they're not the same because Ben Gregg had family connections to Spokane, he had family connections to Gonzaga. But what happened, for those of you who don't remember, Gonzaga was heavily pursuing Chet Holmgren. They were also heavily pursuing Paolo Bancaro, which my goodness, could you imagine if that was the recruiting class they had been able to land? But when they weren't able to land Paolo, when it was clear he was going to go to Duke, they pivoted and they made an offer to Ben Gregg. Ben, very shortly after getting that offer, said he was going to reveal his list, said he was going to commit and committed to Gonzaga. Again, it was one of those situations where Gonzaga may have known or may have felt that Ben was going to come to Gonzaga if he got that offer. And while I don't think that's the same situation with Perry, I do think that him getting an offer was immediately enough for him to say, well, I'm definitely not ruling this school out. Sometimes recruiting late in the game and kind of joining a player after they've already been recruited by other schools doesn't work. And we've talked about that with Gonzaga's recruiting in the past where their ability to identify talent and pursue guys before some of the bigger names get involved has helped them in the past. But they might be able to pull this on the flip side. They may be able to steal Perry away from programs that have actually invested more time because they are a, a, a program that has a better track record of developing NBA guards. They are a program that has more NCAA tournament success than the other programs on this list. I'm not saying it's a guarantee. Most of the outlets right now are, are not projecting Gonzaga to be the landing spot here. But again, the offer came pretty late. I also wouldn't be surprised if Perry does schedule a visit to Gonzaga. If Gonzaga is interested enough to make an offer, if they're interested enough to be pursuing him at this point, uh, maybe they will extend an invitation. Hey, come to campus. 
Come check us out for our exhibition game or our early season games against Yale. Uh, you know, come, come come to campus, see what it's all about. Talk to your buddy Nick, your teammate, uh, who's you know about to be on campus for the second time, and see what he thinks. And and you know, if Nick's gonna gonna commit to Gonzaga, which I, I kind of feel like there's a pretty good chance that Comenia is going to be a Zag, uh, that could be a really good selling point for uh, Trent Perry as well. Again, these guys were teammates. They also won a state championship together. Uh, and in that championship game, uh, Trent Perry had 16 points, 10 assists, and eight boards against St. Joe's. Really talented player, really good shooter. Uh, and I think the ability to recruit him alongside his high school teammate might be a benefit uh, for the Zags. I wanted to read a quote from his coach as well, just so we got a little bit more context into who Trent Perry is. This is from, again, his coach, his Harvard Westlake coach, uh, David Rabibo, who says, he is the catalyst. He is the guy who gets us going. He's just scratching the surface on how good he's going to be. The biggest thing is that he's a winner and he has made winning play after winning play after winning play. The Zags love late bloomers. The Zags love winners. They love gamers. I think there's a lot of optimism around the kind of player that Trent Perry can be as a six foot four combo guard in Gonzaga's system. And I think there's a reason that they're in on him, even if it's a little bit late. And I, I wouldn't rule them out uh, at all as a, as, a play, as a team that could legitimately land him. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of insurance in case Zoom Diallo doesn't come to campus. I think, again, kind of comparing it to that Paolo Bancaro, Ben Gregg type situation. But uh, regardless, I think Trent Perry is the kind of player who would really thrive in a Gonzaga uniform. And I'm hopeful that they're, even if they're late to the party here, that they might have a chance of, of pulling him away from some of those other programs and, and landing him in Spokane starting in 2024. Well, the non-conference schedule is set. Finally, this, the team has announced their non-conference schedule. We don't have any major updates based on what we've already talked about, but the Zags are not playing until four days into the regular season. We're going to talk about that and more coming up after a word from today's sponsor, eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or drop die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and leveled up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll always find exactly what you are looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that victory. Keep your car alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, and eBay's guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Folks, we have a schedule. Before we get into some of the details on the non-common schedule, I want to thank all of you for making Locked on Zags, your first listen or your first watch of the day. And shout out to those everyday listeners. Those of you who are everyday listeners, you know we've been talking about the schedule a lot on the show. We've been talking about when's it going to be finalized? When are we going to know all of the details? Are they going to add another game? And now we know. We know where we're at. Right now, all of the games that have been previously reported on this podcast have been previously reported on social media, various other media outlets. There's no surprises. We kind of didn't expect there to be because most of the other teams in the NCAA have already announced their schedules. So there weren't a whole lot of teams that hadn't revealed their schedules that Gonzaga could have, in theory, snuck onto this schedule release as it came out uh, on Wednesday morning. So we know the season starts on November 3rd against in an exhibition game, I should say, against Lewis Clark State. That is the first time Gonzaga will play a different opponent this year. 
Their next game, their first regular season game, will be against Yale on November 10th. The season starts on November 6th. Maybe it's not as rare as I think, but it does seem unusual for Gonzaga to not start the day that most other teams start. Again, not everybody starts on November 6th, but Gonzaga is four days after the first game of the season. Again, they have the exhibition game, so it's not like they won't have played anybody by the time they roll into that game against Yale. I also think that this is one of the better first games that Gonzaga has played. Typically, one of the typically the first game of the season is very much a tune-up style game. I think last year was North Florida. We've seen it be one of those SWAC teams in the past, teams that tend to finish, you know, outside the top 250 in Ken Palm. Yale's a pretty good team. They're a solid Ivy League team. They've made the NCAA tournament in recent years. Like this is a better first game than Gonzaga has historically played, and it is being played a couple days into the season. I don't know why. I don't know if they're if they struggled to find a game for the the first day of the season. If this was by design, if this is something Mark Few wanted to do this year, I don't know that it matters all that much. I have acknowledged on the show that I, I wish they were playing on the first day of the season. Uh, college basketball getting started and and being able to watch a bunch of games that day has always been something I've looked forward to. I've enjoyed and and now not being able to watch the Zags on the day where we get to see a bunch of other teams make their debut. It's a little sad. It's not the end of the world. It's just a little unique. So something something different. For all of you out there who are wondering what you're going to watch on day one, I'd suggest watching Gary Bell and Northern Arizona because they're taking on UConn. And that's really fun for Gary Bell's team and the Lumberjacks to get a chance at the defending champs. It's a good opportunity for us to see uh, to see Gary, our good friend and friend of the podcast, and, and kind of see how that team has developed, to see Liam Lloyd, Tommy Lloyd's son, and how he's developed as a player. And of course, to get a chance to scout the defending champions and a future opponent for the Zags in the Yukon Huskies. Now, the Zags are probably going to play half of their non-conference games against ranked opponents. Uh, of course, we don't know if the teams will still be ranked by the time they play each other, but there's a reasonable chance that of the preseason top 25, seven of Gonzaga's 14 non-conference games will be against ranked opponents. You got Purdue early in the season. You got two other games in Maui. The second game will either be Tennessee or Syracuse. Tennessee will be ranked Syracuse, probably not preseason ranked, but they might be close. That third game has the potential to be against a handful of different teams. Most outside of Chaminade are going to be ranked. Then you have USC, UConn, San Diego State, Kentucky, very, very good chance that all four of those teams are ranked. So five is basically the guarantee, decent chance six or even seven of Gonzaga's non-conference opponents are ranked to start the preseason. Pretty exciting stuff for them. Seven of their games are at home. That's half. Five of their games are at neutral sites, and they have two true road games. I'm just going to go ahead and go through the schedule. We've talked about it a bunch on the show. Many of you have probably already seen the tweet or seen the press release from Gonzaga or in some capacity taken a look at this schedule. But for those of you who have not, for those of you who haven't uh, heard us go through the entire schedule on the show in a while, we're just going to do it right here real quick and give you a few updates, particularly about the UConn game as we found out game time for that, some ticket information and stuff as well. So again, leading off the season on November 3rd against Lewis Clark State at home, that is an exhibition game. Then they start the actual regular season four days after the season starts on November 10th against Yale. That game is also at home. Then four days after that, they got 
Eastern Oregon. That is on the 14th of November. That is also at home. And that's an NAIA opponent, not a Division I team. They've played Eastern Oregon a couple of times in the last few years, beat them by 50 or more. I think they beat them by 78 last time they played them. So not a game that's expected to be particularly competitive, but it is their tune-up game before they go to Maui or I guess in this case, Honolulu for the Maui Invitational, where they will take on Purdue on the 20th. On the 21st, they will either play Tennessee or Syracuse, depending on how those games go. And then on the 22nd, they will play their third and final game in Maui, UCLA, Marquette, Kansas, Chaminade are among the teams they could end up playing in that game as well. They'll return from Honolulu. And then on the 28th of November, they will host Cal State Bakersfield out of the Big West at home. Then they go down to Vegas. USC, December 2nd, MGM Grand. That's going to be an absolute blast of the game. We did hear recently that Bronny James is on the mend. He is hoping to suit up for USC this season. I'm still operating under the assumption that he will not play. That is pretty early in the season. I don't think they're going to rush him back for that time, but there's a chance. There's a chance that he plays. How fun would it be if that's his debut? What an absolute spectacle it would be to get a chance to play against Bronny James in his first college basketball game. Zags return from that game and quickly turn around to play at home against Arc Pine Bluff on the 5th of December. Four days later, they go on the road across the I-90 bridge to I-90, not a bridge. They, they go across the state to go play Washington in Seattle. That is on the 9th. Two days later, they'll be back in Spokane to host Mississippi Valley State at home. Then they got on December 15th, they're going back to Seattle. They're just kind of pinballing back and forth. They'll play at Climate Pledge Arena. That's the game against UConn. This game has been announced to have a start time of 7 p.m. Pacific time. That is a bummer for UConn fans located in stores or various other places in the New England area. That is a 10 p.m. tip for them. Got to get your coffee ready or whatever you need to stay awake for that one. Uh, the game's going to be on ESPN2. Tickets are going on sale on October 20th two weeks from now. So definitely keep that date in mind for anybody planning to go to that game. If you are, let me know. I'm hoping to be there for that one as well. And it'll be on ESPN2 as well. After that game, Gonzaga's got a little bit of a break five days before they host Jackson State, their third SWAC opponent of the season. That game will be at home. Then they got their nine-day Christmas break between De December 20th and December 29th. On, De on December 29th, they will also play at home, this time against San Diego State, the first part of a two-part home-and-home series. They will play on the road against San Diego State next year. That's the final non-conference game before league play starts. League play starts on the 4th of January at home for Gonzaga against Pepperdine, but it is not their final non-conference game. As we know, as we've talked about on the show a handful of times, Gonzaga is playing Kentucky this year. They're going on the road. They're going out to Rupp Arena. True road game for the Zags against John Calipari and the Wildcats. That game is taking place on February 10th right in the midst of Gonzaga's conference schedule. Uh, one of the byproducts of BYU leaving the WCC is a little bit more, more openness during the regular season or the conference season, I should say, for Gonzaga. And they're taking advantage of that by playing a premier program in Kentucky. Should get them a little bit more prepped for NCAA tournament, although I think there are multiple teams in the WCC capable of giving them a, a solid run throughout the season. But uh, getting a chance at a team like Kentucky in February is going to be good for Mark Few's team this year. 
Well, that's going to do it for us about the schedule. We've been talking about the schedule a whole bunch. We're going to wrap up that portion of the conversation for today, but we're going to move on and talk about Gonzaga guard Malachi Smith, former Gonzaga guard, I should say. He has signed a training camp deal with the Portland Trailblazers. What are his chances of being one of the Zags to make his NBA debut this season? We're going to talk about that coming up right after this. All right, folks, segment three here, still Andy Patton, still Locked On Zags podcast. We talked Trent Perry and the 2024 recruiting class for Gonzaga to start off the show. We talked about that final, final release of the non-conference schedule for the Zags. And now we're going to close out the show going on the pro-Zag route and talking about Malachi Smith. Because on October 2nd, the Portland Trailblazers had a press release saying that they signed five players to training camp deals. Among them was former Gonzaga guard Malachi Smith. Malachi Smith was signed alongside Antoine Davis, who was just missed becoming the NCAA's all-time leading scorer in points this year as a fifth-year senior at Detroit. Uh, They signed Malachi Smith, Antoine Davis. They also re-signed Kevin Knox, who was with the Blazers last year. They also signed Juan Mignana and Duop Reith. Those are the six guys, five guys coming into camp with the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Malachi Smith, along with m- most of the rest of those guys, have been kind of with the Blazers throughout this this summer, throughout the training camp process, throughout summer workouts, uh, throughout summer league, all of that stuff. So it's not a surprise to see Malachi Smith sign this deal. In fact, it would have been a surprise if he did not sign this deal. He'd signed an Exhibition 10 contract with the team previously. It uh, doesn't guarantee you an NBA spot, but an Exhibition 10 contract effectively guarantees you a training camp spot which is why it was not a surprise to see Malachi Smith ultimately signed to a training camp deal. Uh, It's the same contract that Drew Timmy is on with the Milwaukee Bucks as well. What it probably means for Malachi Smith is this. He's going to play with Portland's new G League affiliate, the Rip City Remix. Exhibition 10 deals tend to be given to players who teams want to have uh, some say over. They want to have some kind of ownership in, in terms of their contract, their rights as a player, but they don't necessarily want to give them a guaranteed deal on the NBA roster. Because Portland now has a G League team, something they did not have until this year, they have the ability to kind of play with these Exhibition 10 contracts and get these guys kind of committed to, into their system, into their program without committing one of their 15 NBA roster spots to said player. Now for Malachi Smith, Playing for the Rip City Remix is going to be a bit of a return to an arena that he has some familiarity with, not that much. But the Rip City Remix, for those of you who missed this, this is going to be their inaugural season as a G League affiliate for the Blazers. And they're playing their home games at the Child Center in North Portland, the home of the University of Portland Pilots. So again, Malachi Smith one game at the Child Center during his college basketball career. Of course, while he was with the Zags last year, he got to watch his friend and former teammate and now Denver Nuggets player Julian Strother drop a 40-burger in that road game against the Pilots last year. Uh, nice to be close. Nice for Malachi to get a chance to play in a, again, somewhat familiar arena for him. Uh, it's also just nice for the G League affiliate to be located close by for the Blazers to be able to kind of make relegations, promotions from there uh, without having to send guys to a particularly far location. I strongly advocated for Portland to get their G League affiliate to be in Spokane because I thought that would have been super cool, but I'm also not going to complain about it being 30 minutes away from my house because I will get opportunities to go to Rip City games and potentially go watch Malachi Smith play in person this season. Now, the Blazers have, just like every NBA team, they have two-way spot, two way roster spots. Those are spots, you have two of them per team, and those are roster spots that are allocated to players who are going to split time between the G League and the NBA. 
Now, both those roster spots are filled for Portland right now, which is an unfortunate reality for Malachi Smith. Uh, former LSU point guard Skylar Mays and former Florida State big man John Butler are the two players who are on Portland's two-way contract spots. That makes Malachi's path to an NBA roster spot a little bit trickier. It doesn't make it impossible. It probably means that uh, for Gonzaga to or for Gonzaga for Portland to want to activate Malachi Smith, they would have to uh, either promote one of those guys from the two-way spot onto their active roster and then move Malachi onto the two-way contract. That could happen. Uh, certainly, they could sign Malachi to a ten-day contract, uh, which is exactly what it sounds like you get signed for 10 days it's usually for injury uh, to fill in for injuries they were really common during the COVID years as well but uh, it doesn't mean that Malachi won't make the Blazers roster it just means that his path is a little less direct than it might be than somebody who is actually on a two-way contract the Blazers also have a ton of young guard talent uh, they of course traded one of the most notable guards in the NBA and Damian Lillard just a few weeks ago traded him for a package that included Drew Holiday traded Drew Holiday already for a package that included Malcolm Brogdon now might potentially trade Malcolm Brogdon as well. But the Blazers are going to rely heavily on Anthony Simon, Scoot Henderson, and Shaden Sharp to be their kind of backcourt of the future. Brogdon's in that mix now as well. Then you have guys like Skylar Mays, Kevin Knox, Matisse Teibel, who are all kind of in the mix to play some guard minutes as well. Right now, the Zags have 11 players who are pretty much guaranteed to play in the NBA this year. That does not include Malachi Smith. It also does not include Drew Timmy. If the, neither of those guys make their NBA debut, but everybody else plays, that will be a record for Gonzaga in terms of the number of NBA players they have in a single season. Those 11 guys for a refresher, Chet Holmgren, Zach Collins, Kelly Olenek, Jalen Suggs, Corey Kispert, DeMontis Sabonis, Julian Strother, Andrew Nembhard, Brandon Clark, Rui Hachimura, and Philip Petrusev. All of those guys are on guaranteed NBA contracts. All of those guys, barring an injury barring basically an injury is really kind of the only situation where I think we wouldn't see those guys play. Now, Brandon Clark is currently injured and is expected to miss the start of the season for the Memphis Grizzlies. So there is a real risk that either he exacerbates his injury in some way or doesn't heal properly or whatever and ends up missing the entire season. I don't think that is the expectation right now. I don't think that that is particularly likely, but anytime a guy is currently dealing with an injury, you never know whether that is going to heal the way that you're hoping. But assuming Clark makes it back, that should be 11 NBA players for Gonzaga. Just a, a, a stop and kind of reminder moment for Gonzaga of uh, even when I was in school, which doesn't feel like it was that long ago to me, at least uh, it was rare to see guys get drafted. Kelly Olenek going in the lottery was a big deal. A few years later, DeMonta Sabonis going in the lottery was also a big deal. You know, Robert Sacre being the final pick in the draft was a big deal. Elias Harris getting a little glimpse at the NBA, you know, those, those kind of things were big deals. And now it's much more common much more common to not only get drafted, but to make the league, to stick in the league. It's it's become commonplace as Mark Few's staff has proven their ability to develop talent, which was always there. It was there 20 years ago. It's always been there. But now they can recruit at a higher level and churn out talent that is, goes from you know three-star prospects to borderline NBA player, which is a tremendous story. Now give them a four-star prospect. That guy is becoming a first-round pick like Julian Strother did. Give them a five-star prospect and they're a top five pick like Jalen Suggs or Chad Holmgren. Like this is the development that Mark Few's staff and the, their team, the trajectory that this program has been on. And again, 11 is the minimum. 
Malachi Smith, we kind of laid out the, the the pros and cons, the case for him potentially making it to the NBA. I think Drew Timmy's got a better chance. I think Drew Timmy absolutely should be an NBA player. That has been talked about ad nauseum on this podcast. And you know what? I'm going to keep talking about it. It's not going to go away as a, as a conversation point. But Drew Timmy also won an Exhibition 10 deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, not a clear path the same way that Malachi Smith doesn't necessarily have a clear path, but certainly a player who could end up uh, in Milwaukee, barring injuries, barring uh, trades, barring anything that, that could alter that roster in some capacity. Uh, and I think he's going to perform really well in the G League. I think Drew's going to cook in the G League. If he's starting and playing big minutes, I think he's going to put up monster numbers at that level. And I think if he does that, uh, it'll be hard for Milwaukee to ignore him. For the record, I think Malachi Smith's going to be a productive G League player as well. And I think both those guys putting up those kind of numbers could land them in the NBA at some point this season. Uh, and having 12 or even 13 Zags play in the NBA this year would just be a, a stark reminder of how much growth this program has had in terms of their professional development. And going back to Trent Perry and Zoom Diallo and, and Nick Kamini and those guys, uh, the, the selling point for why you would come to Gonzaga becomes more and more obvious when we see these kind of numbers in the NBA. That's going to do it for us today here on the Locked on Zags podcast. Thank you so much for making Locked on Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners and shout out to those of you checking out the show on YouTube. Go hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet. And also check out our Discord channel. There's a link in the show notes. I've, I've refreshed it. I know that there were some issues clicking on it in the past, but if you click on that link, it should take you right to the free the Discord. It's free. We're talking Zags 24-7 in there. A really fun opportunity to, to kind of join a new social media space to talk Zag hoops. Thank you so much again for listening. And until next time, as always, Go Zags.